Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. Last week, Governor Newsom shared his budget announcement, which has long-lasting implications for California schools and California's future. On the line with me to discuss is Troy Flint, Public Information Officer for the California School Board Association. Thank you for joining me. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Give us an overview of the state budget proposal, especially as it relates to schools reopening. So the state budget proposal tries to respond to some of the biggest challenges the state has. Obviously, among those is public education, in particular, uh, how and when are students going to return to school safely. Uh, The major focus of the education portions of the budget involve uh, the governor's attempts to expedite the return to on-campus instruction. The governor really wants to get kids back on campus, which is a goal that the California School Boards Association and really all the different stakeholders in the education community share. Uh, But where we differ on is whether this proposal, both in terms of the funding and resources and in terms of the timeline and the support, is going to be sufficient to get kids back on campus early in the spring, which is the governor's stated goal. So what are those concerns? Uh, Specifically, there is a concern around timeline. Uh, This is a grant program, and in order to be part of the first round, Schools would have to uh, submit a plan, have that approved by February 1st, and then to have kids back on campus by February 15th. There's also a second round, which begins uh, March 1st. That's an extremely short timeline, given that you have to get community input, you have to reach agreement with your employee unions, you have to develop a plan, get the plan approved, you have to use the funds to try and pay for PPE, to work out your transportation system so that kids are properly spaced on buses, to do classroom configurations that will work for social distancing, to take on a critical public health function in terms of the testing, the screening, testing, and tracing, which is way outside the scope of school's traditional expertise. And you have to pull all this together in a matter of weeks or, in some cases, a couple months. That is a logistical challenge that this budget does not meet with the requisite resources and does not provide enough support. So what really would be more helpful is instead of dictating from top down from Sacramento by creating these new programs is to give money to local school districts directly because they know what their needs are and those needs differ from community to community and they can apply those funds in the best way possible 
to support students during this difficult time. These dates that he's given, are those hard and fast blanket dates, or is there some flexibility in terms of whether or not schools are ready to reopen? If you want to receive the funding, uh, you have to apply by those dates, February 1st for the first round of funding with a February 15th start date to return kids to school, and then the second round in on March 1st and March 15th. So if you do not feel as a school district that you can meet those dates, uh, your school receives no extra funding. And that creates an inequity uh, for many school districts that are not well positioned. Sure, some rural school districts, some smaller school districts, Uh, where perhaps the virus hasn't spread as much or where the logistics are easier because of the size or affluence of the school district will benefit from these programs. But the larger districts that have a lot of high-need students and really challenging logistical tasks in order to make this work are the ones that are likely going to be left out. In fact, a group of California's seven large urban school district superintendents sent a letter that was really unusually critical of the governor and this plan. And they met with the governor on Monday, January 11th, in order to try and get some sort of better understanding and a plan that works for those large districts. We'll see what the outcome of that meeting is and how the administration moves. Do they respond? But right now, it looks like some kids who are already severely disadvantaged may be further uh, left behind if their districts can't take advantage of this plan. What does that mean for struggling students like those with special needs, English as a second language learners, and those with housing insecurities? It's a real concern, and it's, it's tragic, really, because students who have high needs are disproportionately concentrated in districts that are low-income, that have difficult logistical challenges, and, and don't have the same resources. But schools are trying to meet those needs. Uh, Many schools that do not have students back on campus generally have prioritized welcoming cohorts of students with high needs, whether that be uh, students with disabilities or students uh, who are English learners or possibly even uh, students who have uh, difficult home situations. But it's not nearly what it should be. The status quo is not what anyone wants. Everyone wants to resume school when it's safe to do so. But we don't want to rush a return to school to meet arbitrary deadlines when the trade-offs are, are not positive ones for our students, families, and staff. How about vaccine rollouts for students? Is there a plan for those or even a requirement? There's not a requirement for students. There is a plan for testing. And we are working towards a plan for, when I say we, I mean the, the broad education community, is working toward a plan for vaccination for school staff. School staff is in the 1B tier of the plan as it stands right now. So basically that would be behind uh, the medical community. The goal is to get teachers vaccinated and all school staff vaccinated because many school staff uh, who are not in the classroom still have a high risk of exposure. The goal is to get all that that staff uh, vaccinated and some of the, the teacher juniors are calling for that. And I think that's a reasonable request. Of course, the fact that the vaccine rollout has been uh, less efficient than expected has has thrown a wrinkle into it. Uh, The hope initially might have been that all teachers would be vaccinated by, say, March. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but we should certainly push that as much as possible because once staff is vaccinated, that will remove one of the main hurdles and concerns and make it a little bit more realistic 
to talk about a resumption of on-campus instruction. A few weeks ago here at the station, we underwent a change to the back end of our website, which required our staff to undergo several training videos. And after watching about a dozen of those, I had a whole new level of sympathy for students who are dealing with online learning. And I feel like parents, educators, and students have all expressed frustration with this. What would you say to them? I would say that we recognize, when I say we, I'm talking about the governance teams uh, that are responsible for school districts, recognize that distance learning is a suboptimal solution that we've been forced into because of a nearly unprecedented circumstance, a 100-year occurrence. I think that districts are getting better as it goes along, but it's still not good enough. And I think most people are, are objective about that. But it beats the alternative, rushing to return to school in an unsafe manner in order to salvage three months of education. Uh, What we should do in the meantime is to direct our resources to improve distance learning, continue to improve distance learning, and to prepare really robust options for extended learning uh, when kids can come back to campus whether that's summer school, whether it's tutoring programs, whether it's extended day or weekend learning, so we can help mitigate some of the disruption and learning loss students have experienced during this difficult time. And there should also be money directed towards mental, social, and emotional health to help students deal with the trauma they've experienced during the last 11 months or so. Any last thoughts you want to share with us? I just want to share, and if I'm repeating myself, I apologize that It's not a question of desire. It's a question of risk assessment and what makes the most sense given the particular challenges that school districts are encountering, challenges that vary greatly from county to county and even from two districts that are neighboring districts within each county. And so school boards are taking all this into account as they are making their decisions. And there are no obvious or right answers, but we are trying to err on the side of safety and protecting students, families, and staff. Where can we go to get more information? Uh, We have a lot of information on our website, uh, csba.org. We have a special COVID-19-related webpage where we post resources from the state and other organizations. And then also the CDE, the California Department of Education, and the California Department of Public Health have their guidances and a lot of other resources and supports there available for people. I've been speaking with Troy Flint, Public Information Officer for the California School Board Association. Thank you so much for joining me, and here's to continued health. Thank you. Same to you. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.